Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter to all of you this Friday, May the 6th, as the light of Christ shines on us from 1 John chapter 2. We hear a new commandment. It's kind of ironic because it isn't really new, but it is new. But is it new? I'm not quite sure. The, the commandment is simple. Love your neighbor. It is something that we hear quite a bit. And, but in the context of Christ, it is different than if you're a person who does not believe in Christ does it. We have a different reason, a different advocate, a different life, and a different light. And therefore, we look at those words through those Christ goggles. As I say every time, open up your Bibles, put on those Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. As you look at our text today, we are helping us to be strengthened by our text today. Uh, We welcome Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer of St. John Lutheran Church in Warrington, Missouri. Pastor Klostermeyer, a, a blessed Easter and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well, it's always nice to be with you. Best. Nice to study the scriptures together. Amen to that. Pastor, you know, it's it's been a while. So tell us about you, your family, and how, how the saints at St. John are doing. Well, uh, it's after Easter, and you would think <laughs> things would kind of calm down at church after Easter, but uh, we got lots of stuff going on. We uh, Back in on Reformation Day, we dedicated our new fellowship hall and and the uh, um, offices and all of that and so they have that those buildings have gotten quite a workout uh, since then and and continue to do so so we've been blessed by that and and I got uh, two kids in college one just got done uh, this past Friday and uh, he's busy working a couple different jobs and my daughter is uh, she's had about two or three days left, and she'll be done with her uh, third year college. So we're moving right along in life. Things Absolutely. are going great. Absolutely, that is that is great to hear. And a reminder to our listeners to pray for our college students, as many of them will end their uh, their year at the very end of their career. And you know, Pastor and, and I, and all you parents out there, you remember the days when you got done with your schooling, and you're like, okay, now what? And uh, that's a prayer for wisdom and for direction from our Lord. So on that note of, of prayer, Pastor, can you begin our time as the Lord's blessings for our time of study? You most certainly, most certainly will. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, we thank you for giving us love. And by that love, we have been saved because you loved us so much that you sent your own son to die for us. And now we have that love in us, and we are able to love others. Help us to understand what this means more and more, and the joy that we have in loving and serving others. We also do ask that you would be with our college students, both our kids and our, especially our church kids, that you would uh, give them rest from their studies for a while, but then also give them uh, employment so that they may be productive citizens in this world. Give us your light and your peace as we study your word today. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now, Pastor, as we're studying 1 John chapter 2, we'll start by reading all of our verses because we are going intentionally slow through this epistle because a lot of what they're addressing is something that affects us today, which obviously all of Scripture is in that way. And I really enjoy how John is addressing a church or a people that are just struggling with people and faith, you know, following their faith, understanding who Jesus is. People who are leaving the church is one commentary that I that I read. So as we hear these words, I really encourage you, our listeners, to think about how this relates to the church today and how it really does fill us with truth and fill us with grace on account of Jesus. So let us begin hearing the word of God, verses verses 7 through 17 of 1 John chapter 2. We hear the word of God. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I have written to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I am writing to you, fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with his desires. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is the word of our Lord this morning, Pastor. A new command, or is it a new command? How do you want to begin? (laughs) Well, um, it's... It can be confusing. Um, you know, just a few weeks ago, um, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took a bowl of water and he began to wash his disciples' feet. And we called that night uh, Monday Thursday or Command Thursday. And Jesus said there, a new command that gives to you love one another. I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so that's a new command, right? And that was uh, recorded in John's Gospel. Um, And so we hear that new command, but then we can go back to Leviticus, Leviticus 19.18, and uh, that same word, love one another as you love yourself. So there's a little bit of a difference there, though, isn't there? In Leviticus, it says, love 
love others as you love yourself. In Jesus' words, as I have loved you, so you love one another. And so it's new, but it's not new. We still have that word love, but there's a different motivation. Uh, there's a different uh, feeling about it, if we want to use that word feeling. <laughs> and the word that is in First John that's used for love uh, in all of this is the word agape, which is God's love. Uh, so uh, we're going. You're going to. I won't have it today, but you're going to get into the verse that says we love because He first loved us, and so that kind of nails it down. There, we only agape, or that's not the that's the that's the noun version, but uh, we only love with God's love because God loves him, us Himself first. So it's a. As Dr. G used to say at the seminary, it's a gospel imperative. Nice. It is a, it's a command, but it's um, a command that is done uh, by Christians willfully and joyfully because it's done from a motivation of grace. In First John chapter 1, verse 4, and this was uh, highlighted for us with Pastor Kevin Parviz, is that understanding of we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And I think that really is, is a filter, especially when you get into walking in the light and the fellowship with one another, that we had another study on that. And at the end of chapter one is just an understanding of the forgiveness that we receive and the blood of Jesus cleansing us from all sin. Christ is our advocate. All of this builds up to this new command. Like you said, the gospel imperative that this is is drenched in promise that we love as the Lord has already loved us. So it's kind of one of those weird things. I got something new for you, but it isn't really new, but it is new. Um, but it's also old, but yet it's still new. So it kind of keeps going back and forth. So, so pastor, what's the simple command? What are we to do? To love. <laughs> but what does that mean to love? Um, well, I think we'll find out a little bit more in the rest of the verses, but there's a lot of, uh, of for forgiveness talk in here. And, um, you know, when I think of why, uh, the Holy Spirit came, it was it, the Holy Spirit came to the people so that we could experience the love of God. And, um, what God has done, especially for us pastors, and that's why I'm so blessed and so thankful to be a pastor, although it can be a burden at times in the same way. Um, it's that uh, he has given us his heart for his people, so that we love with his love. Our eyes and our hearts and our ears have a new, uh, new compassion, a new understanding, a new uh, empathy, for people that uh, only comes from being in the gospel. So it's from a different place, a different uh, experience than loving people just to make yourself feel good. It's uh, you already feel good by the grace given to you. And so you want to share that grace with others. And so love is basically sharing the mercy and the grace of Christ. 
in our lives in all different sorts of ways. And I'll say, I'll say this, that when we love your neighbor, you know, when you love your neighbor, you can see signs everywhere that says love, you know, and then that, and that's one thing, you know, love above all or love your neighbor and so forth. The distinctiveness of Christian love is that understanding of it is beginning always with God's love. And that's, that's a theme throughout this epistle very clearly. And so that's where it keeps coming back to that. And that's why it's new because it is founded in that fulfillment in the cross and the empty tomb that we do everything. And the, the crazy thing is why was first John Eva written? Because they needed a reminder of it. At the same time, we need that reminder. So let's, let's start digging in um, verses seven and eight, where we receive that reminder of God's command for us. Verse seven, behold, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So, Pastor, it, it you know kind of brings up major themes, um, newness, light, and darkness, that we see throughout not only first John, but also in the gospel of John, where do you want to begin? Well, if we talk about the old command, it's, uh, really, uh, from a place of do it or else. Um, if you keep my commands, you'll live long in the land I'm giving you. If you don't, you won't kind of, uh, way of thinking. And so God in his foreknowledge knew, that they would not keep his commands and that we would not keep his commands. And so a new command uh, was given or a new covenant was given, Jeremiah 31, 34, where his law will be written on our hearts and uh, uh, he will forgive our sins and forgive our wickedness and remember our sins no more. And so... That command didn't go away, but now it's written on our hearts, and it's written with a uh, a forgiveness pen, so to speak. Um, so if we talk about the old command and the new command, um, it comes from different, different places. The first command, the old command, and the new command, they sound the same. But you can't love somebody from a sinful heart. Uh, you can only love somebody, agape, somebody from a uh, pure heart, from a heart that has been redeemed because it's God's love. And God's love doesn't exist in somebody who does not believe. So this new command, as it says in verse 8, it says, uh, which is true in him and in you. Uh, so it's in him we have this new command. It's, it's only true because it's in him. It's in Christ. And it's not it's not in us, but it's in Christ who lives in us. Then you have the second part here at the end of verse 8. The darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. So we know that there is an end to the darkness, that it's not going to be dark forever. 
passing weight. And the light is overcoming it. The light is already shining. And the light is getting brighter and brighter as we see the day approaching. And as we look at that theme of light, you know, what's interesting about these first two verses is it doesn't explicitly say, behold, I'm writing you a new commandment. Um, Love your neighbor. It doesn't make it like explicitly obvious. It's, It's throughout, no doubt about it. But it's not there. And then he gets to the darkness and light. And that can be a little bit cryptic where you're like, okay, well, it is, it is nighttime right now and it's going to be morning. So how would you describe that to somebody who asked that question? Because that is a major theme throughout John's um, gospel and his epistle of darkness and light. How would you distinguish those differences and what they might be? Any thoughts? Well, you can go back to John, the gospel of John. In him was light, and there was no darkness at all. So the uh, the the logos, which is also in these verses, uh, the old commandment is the word logos that you have heard, and then you have the light in the darkness. Um, he was the light of man, um, and so you know it's we have to understand uh, that it's. Spiritual light and it's spiritual darkness, uh, or that darkness is Satan and Satan's minions working in the world, but they are coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, the true light, has come into the world, and He is already shining. Um, we can point to Pentecost in a very physical way, and the flames of fire uh, that came to rest on each of the disciples. And um, you know, we could we could sing the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> and we only let it shine because of the spirit living in us. And that's very helpful because we can get lost in, like I said, the, the cryptic language. But definitely it, it, it shows us that there is darkness in the world. And, and Pastor, what would you say if someone were to say, you know what, Pastor, it's really not that bad out there. It's not really that dark. <laughs> It's actually pretty light, you know. You just got to have a happy mentality. What would what would you tell them when you bring up this darkness? Or they might say, "Well, I think evil is just kind of an idea as opposed to a real person or manifestation." What would you say to them? Well, I could just point them to Ukraine right now and the trouble that's happening there for what seems like no good reason. And I've heard many times already on different news channels about how they just don't understand how we have all of this progress and all of this knowledge and all of this technology. And it seems like the wars are still being fought, even though we are so intelligent now. And how, uh, you know, sometimes intelligence and progress and technology gets confused for morality and for uh, the knowledge of God. And so there you can point to all of the technology that we have, all of the progress, all the knowledge that we have, and there's still evil people in the world. And we, indeed, even though we have all the progress and knowledge, and all we need to do is turn to our phones and click on Google and type in anything. We have all that knowledge, yet we still ourselves misuse that knowledge and abuse our own 
uh, our own life in this world. And so you don't have to look too far. You don't even have to look to Ukraine. You can just look to yourself and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm evil myself. I am truly a sinful human being or a poor, miserable sinner. And, uh, that we have sinned and thought word and deed. One of the, one of the, when we have an installation or an ordination of a new pastor in our district, one of the things our district president likes to do, and a district president in, in my district is Minnesota North District on the northern end of, of Minnesota, and we all have district presidents that, that kind of oversee us, and our district president will will kind of turn to the congregation and, and speak about the pastor. And one of his great lines is he said, if you guys are together to try to make sure that your pastor doesn't sin, you won't have to look that long. And if you are hoping that he won't notice your sin, he won't have to look that long because that's why we have forgiveness. And he's just bringing a, a great reminder for us of the fellowship that really is talked about in first John chapter one. Um, the light that Jesus is, is it says that, that, uh, in him, there is no darkness at all. This is a great resurrection reality, right? That there's no darkness, there's no death. It is only life in Christ. And, uh, um, and, and that brings us to that light to remind us when there is light, just like if you light up your room, it's impossible for light and darkness to be in the same spot. You know, light will always win. And that's what Christ has had the victory. Pastor, anything else in verses seven and eight? Um, no, that's, uh, uh, the, just the fact that darkness is passing away, that the time for darkness is limited. Ah. Um, and uh, when I was uh, preparing for this study this morning, I, we also have the uh, book of Revelation for our epistle readings during Lent, or excuse me, during Easter. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's always in the back of our mind, too, that uh, um, that that the darkness is coming to an end and uh, on the day of judgment there will be no more night or crying or pain or suffering or darkness anymore. Let's keep moving forward because we know the truth is a new command, but what does this mean about us? Verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him, there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, I want to, I want to ask this question because I don't want to go to, I don't want to go in the wrong direction right away is what he is basically saying here that if I say I'm in the light as Jesus is in the light, this is uh, uh, verse seven. And at the same time, I say that I hate my brother or my sister or a fellow Christian or my neighbor, then I'm lying. And instead of me going, well, that doesn't line up with the rest of the Bible, I, I think that kind of leads me to repentance. I mean, it should lead me to repentance because hate can easily sneak into my heart any moment. Pastor, what are your thoughts? Yes, it, it, um, John does that a lot in his letters and even in his gospel, there's a lot of uh, calling by Christ to to repentance, and so um, and he doesn't mess around. He goes right at it, uh, and he's only saying what uh, Jesus Himself said. Um, 
if you hate your brother in your heart, you've already committed murder, right? And so um, you can't hate, and that word hate is uh, um, an interesting word that, you know, it can mean, it means a whole lot more in Greek than it does in in, uh, in English, hmm. but it can mean just disregard or be indifferent to, or it can be the all the other all the way the other way that you're wishing death or harm or punishment on someone. In other words, it's a lack of forgiveness and it's a lack of love. So hate, hate and love cannot be in the same room together. You can't hate somebody and love them. So if the command is to love, then hate has to go away. And Again, the only way that happens is uh, by the Holy Spirit living in us. We love because he first loved us. And so because he first loved us, we love one another. Uh, or as we say in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses. That is, we forgive those who trespass against us. And so um, forgiveness and love go hand in hand. So maybe your brother hurt your feelings or maybe they did something very wrong to you and you're mad at them. And so mad, uh, anger can turn to hate, but, uh, knowing, uh, being married as I have been for, uh, almost 22 years now, I know that my wife can be mad at me and not necessarily hate me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that she's angry with what I've done, but she still loves me. So anger and hate can be two different things as well. But hate is a total disregard and a total unwillingness to be loving and forgiving toward a person. And that's something for us to, I would say, take serious because it is, it is, is problematic the way we might talk at times where we where we're not being loving and being loving does not mean you don't tell someone they're not, that they're sinning. We're not about to, sometimes we'll, sometimes we'll use that language. Like you just got to love people. Well, sometimes, sometimes it's used as a, a way to stop the conversation from calling out truth. And that's where we have to be careful too. And this is a reminder to our listeners and to our church workers and pastors and everybody. This is hard work. I mean, John's words are not like, Oh, well, this is going to be easy. You know, if only other people did what I did, it'd be problem solved. No, he's saying this as a call to repentance and bringing us back into the light because we are in darkness. And so I think it's a good reminder for us to let these words settle in so that we don't dismiss them and go right to first John chapter four and say, God is love. And in this is love that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, which we have to be at, but we also have to understand the darkness, even within our own hearts and how we all need to repent, yeah. turn back to him. But Pastor, right now we need to take our break. We are studying 1 John chapter 2 with Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer, and we'll be right back. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. 
The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying 1 John chapter 2 with Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer of St. John Lutheran Church in Warrington, Missouri. Now, Pastor, we touched on a little bit, and I kind of stopped you to go to the break before that, but I was just, you know, highlighting the, the reality of this is hard work, uh, living in the light and realizing that we will live in the darkness and need forgiveness. I mean, this is hard work. Any, any thoughts that you were about to share before our break? Yeah, it's just um, when we... Um, there's a phrase that we use sometimes that we hate the sin, but love the sin. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we, it's hard for us to do that as human beings, but it's, uh, our Lord Christ can do it perfectly. And so when we, uh, put off the old self, which is, but it's sinful desires and we put on Christ, we get a little bit better at doing that in, we never get perfect at doing that. We still have hurt feelings, but uh, we can separate the two and we can still hate the sin and still love the sinner. And so, and there's also, uh, you know, being a pastor, I've had to counsel way too many people over the years that, uh, and, you know, you see them on news reports and all over the place where uh, the the people say, I will never forgive them for what they did. I'll never, I'll never forget it. I'll never be able to get over it. I want that person to suffer for what they've done. And, uh, you know, that, that's hate. And that will ruin the person who's hating. It'll ruin their life as much as it will, or if not more, than the person who is being hated. Um, and so we need to, for our own good, uh, for our own peace, our own spiritual well-being, we need to get rid of the hate. And we do that through repentance and through acknowledging our own sin. And I like how you made that very clear distinction. You know, Jesus can love the sinner and hate the sin, but we're not so good at that. And so <laughs> we have to we have to very clearly talk about love in context always of Jesus, and maybe we need to use different wordage. But even there, we're still left in that tension that we are called to love, and we ask for the Holy Spirit, like you said, in our hearts to love and to forgive and and to call out sin, trusting that the Lord will give us what we need because He's the one; He's the only one that can do it perfectly. So, Pastor, anything else in 9 through 11? Well, the, uh, the word brother is interesting. Uh, it's uh, a dull phone. Um, part of that is where we would get the word brotherly love or Philadelphia. Um, and so um, it's interesting that it's uh, that who hates his brother. Uh, and I didn't look into it enough to get the whole on that, but, you know, um, this is a love among Christians, uh, most importantly, so uh, we need to understand it that way, 
that within the church we are to continually love one another, uh, especially so that our love for each other is seen in the world as, as the love that it is, as God's love. Pastor, 12 through 14 is really, it's like a pro, they're like Proverbs here where he, he's writing to a specific people and giving them kind of little snippets of, of wisdom and identity. So my plan here is to do, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 in its own little snippets and, and to break it down from there, because John is specifically, you can tell he's speaking to certain people. And it's really interesting how he breaks it down. So let's start in verse 12. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. So he begins with little children and, and he reminds them of their identity. And any thoughts on, on this verse? I, I love how it begins and the identity that he reminds of, of who they are as a child of God. Well, John seems to use that phrase, little children, uh, quite often. Um, well, even in last week's uh, gospel reading, Jesus calls to them and says, children, do you have any fish? And um, so I'd have to do much more of a study on that. But the word little children um, is a little bit more than in the verse 13 where it's a different word for children. And so um, in verse 12, it's kind of like infants or toddlers um, who can't really do much for themselves, but their sins are still forgiven. Um, and so that's uh, it's just a cool picture. And then we can go to um, whoever will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, like a techno or technia, uh, will not enter it. So like an infant, like a toddler, who is helpless by themselves and needs to be clothed and fed and all those things. So that that peace that our sins are forgiven in those verses, he is speaking to different people, but he's speaking to all of us at the same time. So let's go to verse 13. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. Once again, he really, I mean, he really lays out this identity of who they are. And he's saying, he's not saying I'm writing to these kind of people. No, he says, I'm writing to you, which is an important piece of it as well. So fathers, young men and children, he's kind of, kind of doing a cyclical thing here. Uh, your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He kind of repeats himself. Uh, but I have some notes here that I just, from my own uh, understanding, fathers know the father, and you and I are both dads, and so you know what it means to be a father and the love that a father can have for his children. Uh, but then there's also that wisdom that comes from the father above as well. And so uh, getting back to the whole uh, commandment, fathers, you know the Father, so you know the love of the Father. Uh, young men, you are strong and powerful, so you're able to overcome the evil one. But again, 
that's not by their own power, but by the power of the Spirit. And then at the end of verse 13, children, again, uh, that word is more of uh, um, not infants or toddlers, but a little bit older, uh, that they know the Father because they've been around and they've grown up with the Father. So they know the Father and the love the Father has by what the Father has done for them. And so it's a real neat picture of all the different uh, age groups, so to speak, and how the Father, at, at the same time the Father is there through all of it. Um, and so it's a, uh, when we're reading this kind of a, it's kind of a poem, um, or like you said, a proverb, um, it kind of takes on the same uh, wisdom of Solomon that way as well. And you, how do you say it, that I have a father, but I know I have a perfect heavenly father. Is this that, that, that one humbling reality as a father, right? Is, uh, okay, well, I'm not quite living up to that, Bill. At the same time, it just reminds us that, you know, if your father has failed you, that you have a perfect heavenly father. And, and then going back to verse 12, is just I'm writing to you to love your neighbor because your your sins are forgiven on account of Christ. This is this is who you are, um, and he incorporates the whole kingdom into these words. You know that the the book of Matthew, which we studied, just brings up blessed are the poor in spirit, and who are the most poor in spirit who can't do anything on their own? Well, that little child. But yet, that little child we see once again is just as much in the kingdom because the kingdom is his. Um, not something that we will work ourselves towards. So I, d- I thought that I thought that was interesting the the different play and poetic language that does remind us of of who we are and who God is. So, Pastor, I'm looking at going to 14. Any other thoughts? Well, just the fact that he's not uh, excluding anybody, including everybody from infants all the way to to old men, to fathers, and all are included in this command to love. I'm writing to you, to you, to you, everybody. Everybody's got to love the same. Uh, I command you to love with my love. Let's go to 14. Like you said, kind of repeats himself a little bit. I write to fathers because you know him from who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So let's start with the fathers. He does repeat himself from verse 13, but whenever there's a repeating like this, it's really showing the importance of it. What do you think is important about those words? Yeah, I think um, the knowing uh, uh, is part of the, um, you know, it's not just knowing who the father is, but it's knowing what the Father has done and knowing and having a relationship with the Father. So it's more than just a, you know, I know that there is a God, but it's I know the Lord God and that he loves me. And so that's kind of the real relationship aspect of knowing there. Like I know my wife, uh, in many different ways, but I know her better than I know any other woman. Mm. Um, 
So, and then the second part, I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. So the word, again, and I, I've always wondered if that should be capital W, uh, word of God abides in you, that Christ himself abides in you, and that's why they're strong. And because Christ lives in them, they have overcome the evil one. Christ has overcome the evil one on behalf of them or for them, because the word of God abides in them. And then it goes on to young men. Uh, repeating itself in one sense, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. This one I found interesting. I couldn't help but think about Ephesians 6 with the, the armor of God because you think, I write to you, young men, because you're strong. And so I have this vision, you know, I, I coach track here and Sartell, this vision of a, of a young man doing a bench press or doing a, the squats, or I know you were an athlete too, Pastor, the guy who could do the most push-ups or the offensive lineman that could push everyone around. That's what we're thinking of, like, yeah, that's just great. But it doesn't stop in strength. It shows us where that strength is. What are your thoughts on and where the strength is for the, these young men? Yeah, I think um, in our world today, I think folks, men and women, young and old, all seem to rely on their own strength, their individuality, and uh, instead of uh, relying on the strength of God. And so these young men are only strong because of the Word of God. Uh, and so uh, John's not just writing to random people out in the world. He's writing to Christians uh, who will read this, and he's encouraging them to, you know, to love each other as he has loved them or as Christ has loved them. And so uh, he's got to make sure that they understand that the strength to do that comes from Christ, comes from the spirit of the unit. And so um, there is a sense of, like you said, from Ephesians, that the, the full armor of God is, is on them. That's what's making them strong. I love Paul's words in Ephesians 6, verse 10. That's where it begins. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And then goes on and uses all those uh, um, comparisons, you know, kind of like when you're able to see a visual of this, like all that the word of God gives to us, the Holy Spirit gives to us. And here he is telling them not, uh, you know, you could have all these things. He said, no, you have all these things. Because the word of God is in your lips, it's in your mouth, it, you know, it's on your ears, it's, it's in your heart, and you have overcome the evil one. And that's kind of an interesting language of, of, he doesn't say, well, the Lord overcame. He says, you have overcome the evil one. Do you have any thoughts on that? I found that to be a very interesting insertion here. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about how um, you and I as pastors, when we have a particularly good sermon or, um, you know, and um, people will come up to us afterwards and say, that was a great sermon today, Pastor. And we can get, uh, you know, pretty chuffed, as I like to say. We can get uh, kind of full of ourselves. And then, uh, and then I don't know if it's like this in your home, but uh, then we go 
to our wives and our wife brings us back down to earth. <laughs> um, and so the, uh, um, he's saying you have overcome evil, but he qualifies that with, um, the word of God abides in you. Um, so, uh, they are only, uh, and you have over the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So the word of God in you has overcome the evil one. Uh, through you and you uh, in spite of you. So that's just a reminder for us that for us, when we are weak and know that the, the evil one is tempting us, the best place to go is the word of God, um, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might um, is, is a great reminder for us and everything, any temptation that it might be. And it doesn't mean that that guarantees you don't fall, but I tell you what, there is always a source of strength. So you are listeners, I encourage you, whatever temptations you're going through, um, especially young men that he addresses here is the word of God. May it be your, the sword of the spirit, may it be the breastplate of righteousness and may he be, may he in the word be your strength. Pastor, anything else on, on the first um, verses seven through 14 to this point that you wanted to highlight. Not really that I can think of. I think we've covered it. All right. Very good. So now we get to that point where we've been reminded to love our neighbor. And now he talks about the world and, and this is important. You know, John three sixteen. he talks about the world for God. So love the world. And so you're kind of like, okay, well, God loves the world. Therefore I can love the world. But is that what John's saying? Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. So like I said, pastor, you know, basically God, for God so loved the world. How come I can't love the world? What is, what is uh, John telling the people? Well, it's, um, when it says do not love the world, the uh, the, um, trying to think how I put it. Um, it's not that we shouldn't love the people in the world, but we shouldn't love the cosmos or the, the world itself. Um, we shouldn't be, um, trying everything we can to live, uh, as long as we can, uh, so that we can just stick around earth forever. Um, it's a, it's really just a giving to the world, which should only be given to God. It's a first commandment issue, really loving God, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, uh, when it says God loves the world, God so loved the world. He was talking about how he was going to redeem the world, that he sent his only son. And so he loves it um, for his sake, not for the world's sake. And that kind of, in the second part of that sentence, for the things in the world, uh, again, that's the first commandment. He said, uh, uh, love only God. You shall have no other God. And so that's putting the world in place of God himself. 
This brings me back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And I think that relates, you know, like you said, it's not a matter of us hating the world per se, but of that love for those things are, are above and beyond or over, I should say, um, the Lord, well, then that becomes an idol. And you're laying up treasures in heaven and it's just going to wear away. Much like you said, the darkness is wearing away. These items will wear away, but the light is eternal and the Lord is eternal. So store up your treasures in heaven, as we would say, the gifts of Christ. Uh, Pastor, any, any other thoughts on that? Because it, it is, it, 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 boy, it's a hard distinction to make in our lives because when you love something in this world, we legitimately want to love it as, as we should. But how quickly it becomes an idol. Any, what would be your encouragement for somebody who maybe can kind of be led to despair as they try to think about how to love people, the world, but not in a way that leads to idolatry? Um, well, I think the uh, next verse will help us. Help us to, uh, you know, context is key, and so the next verse helps us that it's not the people who God created, or even uh, you can. Uh, give love to uh, even unbelievers. You can give God's love to unbelievers, and that's kind of what we're uh, supposed to do. But um, when it becomes those things become more important than God Himself, that we have to uh, repent. And so, um, again, it's kind of uh, love the sinner, hate the sin. Um, if my children are doing something wrong, I don't stop loving them, but uh, I, I discipline them. I, I continue to uh, keep them from doing the wrong things and uh, help them to grow in keeping God's commands because I love them. So that's how we love each other. Um, we love each other by keeping uh keeping sin at bay as best as we can and repenting and giving forgiveness when it is needed. So let's finish out. We have about less than five minutes left in our time. And these last two verses, like you say, kind of pull it together. You're, you're right. That, that question was a little bit quick. You know, we, we probably needed to read more. So verses 16 and 17, as we hear about this love of the world, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So I love, I love the laundry list he gives here, that the desires of the flesh, which are not a good thing, desires of the eyes and pride in possessions, by the way, that's not from God. And we can kind of get to that point, can't we? Where sometimes we'll say, well, you know, it, if God loved me and, and he gave me these desires, then how could it be wrong? And Pastor, what would your response be as we hear verse 16 and what he speaks of? The flesh is sinful. <laughs> and the desires of the flesh are sinful. The eyes, flesh, um, what we want. And too, too much in the world do we say, well, if... Uh, I want this, and God wants me to have what I want. 
then how can what I want be sinful? Um, and they, it's a misunderstanding of what God wants for you. He doesn't necessarily want you to be happy um, in your own eyes or to have everything that you ever craved or wanted, but he wants you to have him and have him first and foremost in your life. And so uh, what I see uh, is that a lot is that um, people mistake their, their desires for God's desires. Like their desires are good or they feel good and right. And so um, they must be from God. If they feel good, if God made me this way, they'll often say, then uh, um, they must be good and right, which is, is far from the case if we realize that our, we are have a sinful nature and our bodies are sinful. And then the last part of this, pride in possession. Boy, do we see that plenty in our world still today. That hasn't gone away. The, the technology and the knowledge and the intellect that we have hasn't gotten rid of our pride and possessions. And so um, the bigger the boat, the bigger the house, the bigger the more expensive the car, the more pride we have in ourselves. And that is not from the Father, but is from the world. Yeah, it brings that question of who you're going to trust, and and we we can abuse that, of course. Where well, I don't trust that person, therefore I'm just going to disagree with them because I trust God. But in the same token, we will trust something else because we agree with them, and then therefore you know act as if I trust God more than you. I mean, it really kind of goes goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And so, Pastor, how do we know? that our desires of the flesh are not lined up with God because I have, a, you know, there's a lot of desires we have. And so like you're saying there's good desires and then there's bad desires. And how do we know which is lined up with scripture? Our feelings are lined up with, with God as opposed to the world. How, how would we filter that? Well, first we can look to the commandments. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that goes back to the beginning of our, study for today, do your desires agree or do they line up with the commandments? And if they don't, then they're not from God and they are not right. Um, and then we can go a little bit further and say, "Is uh, are your desires uh, showing love to God? And then after that, are your desires showing love for your neighbor? And so we just uh, always go back to the law. And then if we go back to the beginning of chapter two, which we didn't cover today, where John says, I am writing things, these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate that the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so um, the law always accuses and the more we, uh, as Paul says, the more we look into the law, the more we realize that we are sinners and we are in need of forgiveness. Yeah, so we have about 30 seconds, actually 45 seconds left in our time. How would you encourage, how would you summarize our words today and encourage our listeners? 
Well, I would uh, encourage people, uh, as John does, to repent, knowing that each and every day, uh, even pastors, even the, not that the pastors are the most righteous, because we're not, we're the chief of sinners, but every day we die to sin and we rise to newness of life. And first and foremost comes the love of God. And if we remember that we love because God first loved us, then we make sure that we have Christ's love first in all things. And then um, when we get done with the end of our day, we can go and we can say to God, uh, Forgive me for not doing things the way I should have, and then thank him for his forgiveness. We do that every day until the day Jesus makes us new with him forever. Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer of St. John Lutheran Church in Warrington, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from 1 John chapter 2. Pastor Klostermeyer, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Well, thank you for having me. I always enjoy it. All right. Well, go Twins. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.